0: So, almost 500 years ago, literally, almost to the day, a young monk named Martin Luther tried to reform the church. He didn't try to leave, he didn't try to start his offshoot branch. He wanted to reform the church, hence why we call it the Reformation. He did this by nailing 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg. He wanted to start a conversation. He protested some of the actions by the Catholic Church in his 95 Theses. Protested. Hence why he and his followers would later be called Protestants. Protest, Protestant. A protester who would try to change some of the errors of the Catholic Church. Now, Now, why is this relevant today? Why is this a series, a Yak series, 500 years in the making, what makes this modern? Because, look, there's no such thing as a new heresy. There's no such thing as a new heresy. There's no such thing as a new misunderstanding of Scripture. There's no such thing as a new misrepresentation of Christianity. It's always repackaged. Okay, You can put makeup on a pig, but at the end of the day, it's still a pig. It's still a pagan idea. It's still Gnosticism. It's still a power play by somebody who wants power. It's still the old hedonism. It's the old it's the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun when it comes to attacks against or on Christianity. Today we just put it in one hundred and forty four characters or we put it on the back of a Prius. Like that's that's where we put it. So the same conversations they had 500 years ago about theology are the same conversations that you have around your dinner table, that you have around your lunch tables at schools, and that you have in the quietness of your room at home as you have conversations with God. It's not new. It's the same stuff that happened 500 years ago, that happened 1,000 years ago, that happened 2,000 years ago. Same conversations. You've probably heard it 1,000 times. Or a hundred times, maybe not a thousand times, a hundred times. Especially if you uh, have had a good history teacher, into your first fill in the blank. If you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. If you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. So we're going to look at scripture over the course of the next series. We're going to look at history over the course of the next series, especially Martin. Hence why the series is named after him. And we're going to look at how it speaks to our lives today. I'm excited about this series, so let's jump in. So let me me pray for us. Father God, as we dive into this series about the Reformation, as we dive into this kind of theology-heavy series, um, Lord, as it stretches our minds, um, may we come to grasp some of the harder issues, uh, but Lord, may it also stretch our hearts. Uh, May it not be just some mental gymnasium that we're jumping through. In your son's name, amen. So we're going to be talking about some big words over the next few weeks. Okay, so please don't let that scare you. If you've ordered an iced coffee or a drink at Starbucks, <laughs> I can promise you that they use more confusing words than what we're going to talk about today. Example, a grande, a large, is their medium. It doesn't make sense. Okay, so if you can order a drink at Starbucks, um, you can learn theology, which is your next fill in the blank. If you can order a drink at Starbucks... You can learn theology, and I truly believe that um, as you get your ice whip, double grande, one shot of vanilla pump, um, skim, no soy, whatever. Um, so there are harder incantations in Wiccan. I'm positive of it. Um, so the first fill in the blank, or not the fill in the blank, but we have to ask this question is, is what is justification? We're going to start there today, is, is what is Justification. How are you justified before an almighty God? So what we're going to do is you're going to answer that. I want you to like jump into the batter's box, take a swing. So what is justification? I'm not, going to leave you, I'm not going to leave you without a bat, though, and without gloves and stuff like that. The next few things on your sheet can kind of help you formulate your question. So if you look at your sheet under what is justification, you can see is, a, is, is sin a disease, a state of being, bad points you gain? Are you saved by faith, by works, both? Those are the cross of Jesus. Remove your sins. Give you an opportunity to stop sinning. Give you grace points. Clothe you in righteousness. So... Using those ideas, and maybe some of your own that you picked up at Sunday school along the way, or church, um, try to answer it. And then when we get to the end of the night, I want you to see, oh, I actually learned something. Or, oh, I just confirmed my already known brilliance. Um, uh, so take a take a shot at it. So what would you say justification is? It's a theological term, not a, not a baseball term. Go Dodgers. What is justification? I won't grade them after, if that relieves any pressure. When I record this on iTunes, this will be the large gap that I remove. I'm making that note to myself. What is justification? I'm giving you some closure. Being saved from sin. Oh, no, no, I wasn't going to add. No, no. Seriously? Yeah, I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm going to keep it myself then. Fine. But you're on the right track. Ten points. The Caleb door. Yes. Oh. I have seriously. Okay, good. Hey, so we'll get to that specific a little bit later on. We're going to talk really broad, though, because, like, yes, the Reformers put it in a couple sentences because... You know, they didn't have Twitter, so they had time to do stuff. Um, But we need to like talk about it broadly, and then we're going to kind of shrink it. Okay? So the first thing I want you to know, because you're not there, so you don't understand this in their context. You do understand it in yours. We'll talk about that at the end. But you don't understand it in theirs. So this is your next fill in the blank, and that is medieval theology. Theology saw sin as a problem of being that needed healing. Medieval theology saw sin as a problem of being that needed healing. So we're going to start with sin. because What are you justified from? Okay, okay, we've got to deal with that. So we're going to start with sin. Hence why we're going to deal with that. So when, when, if you're a medieval theologian, you have a disease called sin. It's a sickness. Um, and grace is the cure. okay. But it, it's a, it isn't a one-time cure. You, you can't get vaccinated from sin. you got to pop this pill regularly. okay? Um, and there's a distinctive in what grace was to the medieval theologian. There was actual grace, which gave forgiveness of sins, provided they were confessed. Make sure you're confessed. And then there was habitual grace, which changed people deeper down in their being, overcoming the problem of original sin. So again, it's kind of fixed within. So here was the problem for Luther. Okay, Martin Luther was like a grade A plus 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 monk. Mm-hmm. Like he was really good at being a monk. Um, he was well known. I mean, really, at the end of the day, he might as well have lived in the confession booth. Like he spent so much time confessing his sins that it drove the priests that he served under crazy. Um, one of them are quoted as saying, "Martin." Stop it. Come back when you've actually committed a sin. Like go murder your father or mother or go commit, what does it say? Go commit adultery. Stop coming here with such flummery and fake sins. So like he's like, he's taking this idea of I have a disease called sin seriously and I need to confess all my sin if I'm to receive said grace. That's the position he's in, right? And by 1512, the Augustinian order where he, where he was at, he was so good at being a monk, sent him away to school. Probably so they wouldn't have to deal with his confessions anymore, right? Like, okay, you, you can be someone else's problem. And so he would go to this school and he's going to study Romans, Galatians, and Psalms in the original Greek and Hebrew. Now we can do that today like by popping in like you know, the right email address, not email address, like web address online, like it's not that hard. But they didn't have it back then. They had the Latin Vulgates if they read anything. Most, most monks didn't study Scripture. That's weird, right? But that was the state, state of being. Um, so he went there to study, and, he, and during that time, he helped rediscover what grace was, not according to a papal authority, but according to Jesus and Paul. His first step was was his view of righteousness as a gift, this idea of who I am, this idea of righteousness. His eureka moment came out of the bottom of his despair. He struggled to identify with the justice of God because he had felt he had done all he could to confess his sin. He had gone above and beyond any any other in his mind in the terms of confessing his sin, yet he still could not know if grace was offered to him on his merits. He hated a God who punished sinners, especially those who couldn't keep tally of the cost of their sins. Again, it's this idea, I've sinned. Okay, can I erase it now because I confessed it or did I miss that one? And then he noticed the context as he meditated on Romans 1 one evening. So let's take a look at the text he looked at. If you want to jump there in your Bibles, it's Romans 1, 16 and 17. We're not reading a lot tonight, just Romans 1, 16 and 17. This is what it says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, forth faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The justice of God is revealed in it, as it is written, the just person lives by faith. He began to understand that in this verse the justice of God is that by which the just person lives. Lives by the gift of God. Let me explain. That is by faith. He began to understand that this verse means that the justice of God is revealed through the gospel. And it is a passive justice. That by which a merciful God justifies us by faith as it is written, the just person lives by faith. All at once, he felt like he was born again and then turned into a paradise itself through open gates. Immediately he saw the whole of Scripture in a very different light. So I'm going to say that again, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. and I'm going to explain it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek for it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So the power of God for salvation, which it's talked about here to the Romanist meant that he now had the medicine to overcome his sin. That's what it meant. The power of God for salvation was, I got my pills. I swung by the CVS, we're good. Okay? The power of the God for salvation really means, if you look at the Greek text and the way it is worded in its sense, is that it's a one-time moment. That he had received salvation by his faith. And now he shall live by faith, not basing his salvation on good works, Um, His righteousness was therefore a gift given by God, not a status earned for God. So there's a lot of like, I'm going to break it down even more. There's a lot of um, parts of tense here that are really important. Luther's second step, you can also begin to see, this is your next fill fill in the blank, that our righteousness came from outside ourselves. This is where it's going to begin to click. Our righteousness came from outside ourselves. Medieval theology thought of grace as a quality at work within us. Righteousness would be given to us so that we could become justified. We would be healed by God's grace so that we could be right before Him. But Luther said this, this is your next fill in the blank. Grace was not some thing at work within us but God's unmerited uh, sorry unmerited favor towards us grace was not some thing at work within us but God's unmerited favor towards us think of it like a video game okay eh? your character has a virus called sin and you are slowly dying so in the top right hand corner you have this well Right hand silver over here for you. You have this right hand corner. You have this righteousness bar, right? That's slowly being drained as you live your life and you commit sins. <clears throat> to the medieval theologian, you got pot pills. You go around. You do some good works. Collect some coins. Jump up. Hit, you know, some bricks with your head. Something pops up like a mushroom. Um, you know, other good things. You do good qualities. It's work. Suddenly your righteous bar is refilled. And you become more and more holy. But at some point, because of sin, your character in the video game dies. Okay? And then wherever your righteous bar is, how full it is, another bar appears. That's the justification bar. Somewhere where you didn't know. It was invisible beforehand. But now that you're dead, you can see this justification bar appeared. And if your righteousness was full, full on the justification bar... Then you got to go to heaven. If it was almost there, you were like in the red zone, you get to go to purgatory. And if it's not there at all, hell, hell, hell. Okay? Like, that's what you get. But it's all based on this video game type idea of this is what I get to do. I do these things so I can earn these righteousness merits. And then like whatever the Mario theme is okay like you' gonna jump on the flagpole whatever okay you boost your righteousness bar and and this is the thing about your righteousness bar if you don't make it if you're in purgatory you can boost it more in purgatory your righteousness bar or people can buy things called indulgences to boost your righteousness bar for you or, or pray and give you merits that way. But Luther says that we are made righteousness not because of some bar, but it's a one-time act. So it's like you walking around in the video game and instead of collecting these good works and like filling up your righteousness bar, you find the one thing or really if we're getting using good theology, the one good thing in the game finds you and suddenly you're made righteous and it's always full. That's what he's figuring out, is what it says, is that Justifying work, the justification comes by God's work at the cross, not by our own works. It is faith alone, sola fide, that saves us. And what I mean by faith is personal trust and reliance. That's your next fill in the blank. Faith is personal trust and reliance. I don't know where the fill in the blank is there. There's just a line. I apologize. I had to keep you on your toes. So faith is personal trust and reliance. So it is by faith that we are saved. And we cannot initiate the process because we're dead in our sins. So I want you to get that. You can't initiate it if you're dead. We need the gift of God to start it and to complete it. To the medieval church, faith was seen as the virtue. To Luther, it was taking hold of what Christ has already done. Because... In Catholicism, salvation depends on faith plus works. The Council denies the possibility of assurance. If you're a Catholic, if you're a Catholic that holds to Catholic doctrine, I've met Catholics who don't hold to Catholic doctrine, and they're more evangelical than probably some of you because they don't read the doctrine. But that's beside the point. So, if you're a Catholic that holds to Catholic doctrine, you can never know if you're saved. You can never know if, like, I did it. I'm pat- I got the righteousness- I got enough righteousness bar you can't know and for the reformers to the express assurance was to boast in Christ and his finished work for the catholic to express assurance was to be proud and presumptuous boast in your own good works so it didn't make sense to them so we're going to take a look at the chart so you can see it more clearly this idea that he was espousing in his theology so you can be done we can leave that up there the rest of the time if you want to come join the group or you can stay up there if it's a nice view Um Lutheran view of justification versus the Catholic view of justification. One, it's a forensic act, so you're dead, and you're you're dead, you're dead, and you're dead in your sins. You're dead, you're dead in your sins. Okay, and Christ needs to literally make you alive. For the Catholic, it's a healing act. Pop your grace pill. Two, it's this image of this law court. You're dead in your sins, therefore you're a sinner. You deserve judgment. And for the Catholic, it's this idea if you're at a hospital, you need a grace pill and you'll be better. Three, alien righteousness. What I mean by that is ET didn't grant you your righteousness. And what I'm saying it's from outside yourself. It is alien to you to who you are. It is a gift from God. Through Catholic, it's inherited. I get it, and then it works. I I gotta do all the work. Okay? Four, it's imputed, it's given to you, done, here's your name. Four, it's imparted, it's a gift, and now you got to do something with it, okay? Five, it's by faith alone, justification is by faith alone, okay? Five, began with faith, it started, but uh, you got to keep working. Six, it, your faith to the Catholic gave you the chance to be able to work out the good works and figure out your faith. Six, you're justified on the basis of Christ's finished work. Six justified now on the basis of what we shall become. So it's the idea of sometime in the future you're justified by your work that you will get done in the name of Jesus for the cross. Okay, and then seven, your assured future. I'm a Christian, can't lose that. Awesome. Seven, uh, I'm Catholic. I'll be in heaven one day, or purgatory, or the other place. You don't know. I mean, it might be like The Simpsons Purgatory, which they're just all floating there, and he's going dope, dope, over and over again. It's a great episode. Ninety-six was a good year, but none of you were alive for that. Um, Were you? Were you alive in ninety-six? No. Okay. So I know. Maybe what twenty-one? So maybe. Wow, I'm old. It's my birthday. So, how does this how does this play out today? Before I get into this idea of how it play out today, I want to give you a clear definition of justification. Justification is by faith alone. So, it's this idea of trust and promise by grace alone. So, it's a gift in Christ alone. So, it's a gift from Christ, so that you are made right. So, you are now in Christ and are considered part of his family. There's even more to that. We might I don't know if we'll get into this idea of adoption during this um, series, but that's what it is. by faith alone, by grace alone in Christ alone. Those are the three things I really want you to watch. That's justification. okay? So AJ, how's this modern? Okay We've talked about a bunch of like medieval stuff. like am I gonna, am I to be knighted? Like how do I move forward? Okay? So I want you to figure out that this hasn't gone away. And the reason it hasn't gone away is because the biggest problem still facing the human race today is each individual's sin. We sin, if you're like me, over and over and over and over and over and over again. And we want to be nice people. Like, none of us wake up in the morning and we're like, Ha ha! You know, aiming to be Hitler. Like, none of us like do that, right? But we all want to be considered nice people, but we fail at it over and over and over and over again. We keep saying mean things. We call it a moral wrong if people don't invite us into community. I wish they were nicer. And then we turn around and make no attempt to invite people into ours. Okay? We call so many things evil and wrong... I mean, just look. I don't want you to, but I kind of want you to. Like, look at the comment section of any YouTube video on the planet and tell me we're like, we're a moral species. Like, are you for real? Like, I never, I every time I get on Twitter, I'm like, I immediately regret this decision. Because <laughs> I'm never encouraged. I'm like, wow, that's bad. That That's bad. He said that? Like... And now you're saying that to, oh, like it keeps getting worse. Okay? We have a problem. It's called sin. It was a problem 500 years ago. It was a problem at the beginning. It's a problem now. Sin is still a problem. And we have a God who will judge sin perfectly. Okay? Romans 3.23 says the wages of sin is death. We're talking about death a lot tonight. I'm sorry. Death. Die. Wages of sin is Death. And it's everybody, Romans 6.23, that says that for all have sinned, have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? The biggest problem in 1517 was sin before an almighty God. The biggest problem in 2017 is sin before an almighty God. And we try so hard, if you're like me, to convince ourselves that it's okay. I'm fine. I think of that like little cartoon with like the little cartoon guy holding a cup of coffee and the whole house is burning down around them, like it's okay, we're fine. But we live that way, right? When it comes to our sin. Like, no, I'm good. I'm a good person. Sure, buddy. Hey? And this is how we try to handle it nowadays. Like we try to save ourselves. Like, we try so hard to save ourselves. That's one of the next one. I the blank. We try to save ourselves. One of the tenets we hold to here is total depravity, which simply means that you can't save yourself. You're dead in your sins. You're dead. You're dead in your sins. There's this analogy a lot. I'm sure you heard it, Joe. I'm sure you guys heard it too. Where like, you know, you're at the crusade and you're like, you know, you're drowning in your sin and Jesus is on this boat. And he's throwing you a life raft. And all you got to do is reach out and grab the life raft. No, like, you're a corpse at the bottom of the ocean who's been, like, dry bones dead for a long time. Like, you're dead. You're dead in your sin. And, like, yeah, wet bones. (laughs) And literally, Jesus lifts your bones out of the water, puts flesh on your bones, and breathes life into you, and you come to faith. And we try to save ourselves, but we're called to that by God. God Pulls you out, puts flesh on, breathes life into you. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. This is a gift of God, not a result of works. So that no one may boast. This is your next fill in the blank. Even though we know that, even though some of you know that, we believe we still have to do X, Y, and Z before God will listen to me. I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had with adults, but also with like students as well, because I guess that's the thing I do, who would claim Christ and at the same time say they can't talk to him until they get right with God. Okay, well, like I've fallen into the sin again, so until I handle the sin, I can't talk to God again. That's not the gospel. That's not. Student 1, you know, I have some things to get better on before I can start going to church again. Student 2, well, I have to overcome my addiction before I start going to church activities. Student three, oh, I couldn't go to Bible study. I don't think I would fit in there. Then that Bible study isn't a Bible study, if you think you wouldn't fit in there, okay? (laughs) Like, you've misunderstood Christianity. The church is not for people who have it all together. The church is for messed up people who are in need of a Savior. Hallelujah. It's not a country club for sinners. It's a hospital for saints. Okay? Next one. I hope this offends everyone because it offended me. Okay? Everyone's a legalist. It's always Christ plus. You're all little legalists. All of you. You love adding stuff to the gospel. And I'm not saying that because you're you. I'm saying that because you're human. Okay? Well, you have to be a Christian and a Presbyterian (laughs) if you want to be a Good Christian, right? You have to be a Christian and read your Bible every day if you want to be a good Christian. You want to be a Christian and listen to Christian music if you want to be a good Christian. Look, all these things are good, right? Like I'm studying to be a Presbyterian minister. I read my Bible daily and I occasionally listen to Christian music like right like but that doesn't make me a Christian Christ makes me a Christian it's not the plus things. you aren't called to live perfectly on top of that you aren't called to rest on the works you are called to work you are not called to live perfectly on top of being a Christian you're called to live on the life of the one who did live perfectly that is Christ and that slight change is huge It's a slight change in motivation for good, but it's all that matters. Lastly, and this one gets me, especially as I talk to, really, as we go deep with anybody, this always comes up. This impacts the culture in its weight of guilt. The number of people I meet who are overcome with guilt for doing something I mean, I'm sure many of you in this room live this way. There's this, just this, like, I could never tell my parents that. Or I could I could never tell AJ that because he would look at me differently. Just for future reference, okay? I've been doing this for 12 years. I've heard it all. It all. Okay? I'm not, not going to go into specifics because it would shock me. Many of you, but you're you're never gonna tell me something where I'm gonna be like, oh, didn't see that one coming. <laughs> you're never gonna surprise me. Maybe you should try to, okay? But that's the, like that's the type conversation. But like, like the fact is, like you're probably not like 99.9 times out of 100, you have no idea how many people, even, especially even non Christians, the moment someone finds out I work from a church, amazes how many times I become someone's personal priest like I need to confess my sins to you. Oh. You need Jesus. You don't need you don't need I'm, I'm not wearing a white collar here, okay? Like um I used to sit next to a blood gang member in high school, but that's a different story for a different time. Um so are you ever overcome with weight that you're just not good enough? Do you ever despair about how Christ could love you? Do you ever carry around this burden that you're you're not a good daughter or a son, brother or sister, friend or Christian? Look, the bad news is, is that you're right. You're not any of those things. But the good news is, is that none of it matters to God if you are in Christ. That's your boom shakalaka moment, right? Okay. Matt Chandler tells the story of a single mother he brings to a Jesus meeting and he immediately regrets it. Okay, I love this story. The minister got up and said that he was going to talk about sex. And he took a red rose, smelled it, and threw it out in the crowd and told them to smell the rose. And he began one of the worst, most horrific handlings of what sexism isn't that he had ever sat through in his life. And he's thinking, with Kim beside him, who's a single mom, what are you doing? And as he wrapped up the speaker, he asked, where's my rose? And some kid brought the rose back and it was broken. And his point was to hold up the rose and say, who wants this rose? This idea that, look how guilty you would be if you've just given your life licentiously to everyone in the crowd. And anger welled up inside Matt, and it literally took everything in him to not yell out, Jesus wants the rose. Like, he, he not only wants you for you, he wants you to also remove that weight of sin. Jesus wants That. It's why it's one of the first things in Pilgrim's Progress where Christian, his burden is removed. It's that beautiful allegory. So do you spend more of your time dwelling on your sin or your Savior? And that was the eureka moment for Martin that he didn't have to be bogged down by the weight and chain of his sins that he would have to list. Confession and mass were not the way that the ball and chain would be lightened as he walked through this world. The cross destroyed the ball and chain. And, and he now he says, run because you were made to, laugh because you can, enjoy life because I enjoy you, serve others because that is what you are here to do, not to earn my love, but because you already have it. That's the gospel, that we are justified by an almighty God, not by our actions, but because of his. Thank God.